Welcome to One Cardinal, One Cub, and One Beer. I am your host, Vincent Opper, and I am joined by my co-host, J.J. Jackson, and our frequent contributor, Maxwell Opper. Uh, I do want to remind you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can contact us at onecardonecuponebeer at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our page by clicking on the icon at the bottom right-hand Corner, those of you who are on Mac and PC, or if you're watching on your television set at the end of this uh, episode, go to the circle where our emblem is, highlight it, click it, and you will be subscribed. You can support our efforts through Patreon. Go to patreon.com, search one cardinal, one cup, and one beer to support our efforts. I do want to announce something. We are doing a contest all winter long through spring training. I will, and this, this isn't every week, but this is periodically, I'm going to have a player behind me like I do now. The first person that contacts either me or JJ uh, through the comments, through a direct message, through an email, we will say, hey, we have so many people who contacted you first, what time, Whoever contacts us first with the correct answer of, and this is the guy we're starting with today, this guy, let us know, and you will get a tally. Yeah, but being it, it's an extended contest, and at the end of the contest, you're going to get a prize package, which will include the official one cardinal, one cup, one beer mug, you will also get the official One Cardinal, One Cub, and One Beer t-shirt, which is, I was hoping I'd have it today, but it didn't happen today because I had to bug bomb the house because those of you who watched two episodes ago, you saw that I was battling a spider during the show. <laughs> so uh, you're also going to get that. Um, you're going to get a license plate emblem of uh, whichever team you support. If you want a Cubs, we'll give you a Cubs. If you want the uh, Cardinal, we'll give you the Cardinal emblem. A few other little one of bits. these. No, that's not the official shirt. No, that's... not the official one. I haven't <laughs> seen the official one then. That's 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 from a uh, a listener, and we really appreciate the shirts. But I'm not going to burden the listener with, hey, we need like 30 shirts, man. So so uh, we'll we'll have a we'll have one with the the official logo on it. And um, but the the. Uh, prize package will also include two tickets to a Cardinal game. We'll try to make it a Cardinal Cub game. Oh, that'd be great. Um, and the only catch is you win this contest, you go to the game, you have to wear our garb, okay, and take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you know who this fella is behind me, right there, not, not, not the catcher, the hitter, the hitter. <laughs> This is so difficult. You know who this fellow is behind? Right there. There. Yeah. You know whose batting glove that is? Let us know. And if you're the first, you will get a tally. Okay? And you can build that. And the price package is worth about a billion dollars. So, okay. JJ Maxwell, we're going to skip over what happened this week? I think everybody knows what happened. We all went to go play golf. <laughs> At least our, our rosters did. So um, what we're, we're going to do is we're just going to 
going to kind of talk about our teams. Uh, JJ is going to do five ups and five downs for the Cardinals this year. I'll do five ups, five downs from the Cubs. And we'll back, uh, let Max uh, give his commentary on uh, what we say. And uh, I I don't know, uh, JJ, you, you guys have been out of for most of the year. Um, yes. And so you've had, you've had time to get used to it. Max and I, yeah, maybe still a little stunned, but I, I'm actually not in a bad mood. I'm actually, because I think there's some good things on the horizon. So JJ, uh, give me your uh, five ups and five downs from the Cardinals this season. Well, I could have made it five ups and 25 downs, but we, we don't, we want these people to get to bed at a, a nice hour. You know, uh, the season was over for us pretty early. There was moments where we had like a seven game winning streak. We thought, Hey, maybe we can catch fire. Wasn't long ago we won 17 in a row, but it wasn't to be so many things. So I'm going to start with um, some positives. And I, I, do you want me to do all five of the positives or we alternate? Yeah, go ahead and do all five. Okay, this won't take too long. Uh, one of the positives is our youth movement. We have a lot of players under the age of 25. And uh, this was a good learning experience for them. They got a lot of time out there. And Mar uh, Mr. Wynn at second base and Jordan Walker. Tink Hintz, I know he hasn't came up yet, but everybody's so excited about him. Uh, Nolan Gorman, who a lot of teams wanted in the offseason, but we held on to him. And uh, he looks like a guy, realistically, a second baseman who might hit 35 home runs and hit you know, maybe 250, something like that. We'll see. Uh, he's getting better and better at second base. Um Lars Newbar, Libertor, um, Burleson, Connor Thomas, and uh, Herrera came up at the end of the year, and he is now our third catcher. So I see the Cardinals either moving him or Kisner this winter for some pitching. But uh, good group of young players, and I'm excited about that for the future. Number two is uh, Willie McGee. Willie McGee doesn't get enough credit. He is one of the coaches on the team, one of the all-time favorites. Uh, since I've been around and Willie works with the outfielders and we had so many injuries this year we had so many guys playing out of position uh, first of all Jordan Walker who's a third baseman and they didn't work him out in the outfield that much in the minors I don't know if all at all he came up and if you saw him in April and then he came back in June he wasn't very good in the outfield but by the end of the season he had come a long way and Willie really worked with him uh, Tommy Edmond, a gold glove second baseman who plays shortstop and third. They had him out in center field, and he did a very nice job. Not a strong arm, though, but to play the outfield, he's done very good. And I know it's, I mean, as a fan, we look at it and go, what's the big deal? You play second, you can play center, but they're two completely different positions. Uh, Donovan played right field, and he's an infielder as well. So, um, and Yespis, uh, who's not a great fielder, he got him to be better, but uh, we just, you know, O'Neill was hurt most of the year. Lars was out quite a bit of the year. I'm not making excuses. We would have been bad without the injuries. It just wasn't happening for us this year. But And also, Willie works on the base running. And uh, this is – maybe this year was one of the te teams with the most speed in a long time. We went first to third really good. We stole some bases. Of course, new rules. But uh, I, I – I, Willie McGee, I, I appreciate all the work he puts in with the Cardinals. And uh, he's just – it's great to have him around. How how many gold gloves did he win? I wrote something down about Willie. Um, 
I honestly cannot tell you. I wrote somewhere about his playing career and his all-star teams, but I don't know about gold gloves, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, three of them. Yeah, you have three? Okay. Yep. Yeah, what, what I remember um, about Willie is he had tremendous speed um, for those uh, gaps in Old Bush that went, you know, they they ended somewhere around uh, fluorescent. Um, but he always took uh, he always seemed to take good routes to the ball. Um, he didn't do the curl routes and stuff like that. And I, it was just a few years ago when you'd watch Cardinal games, you would see some pretty bad routes taken to fly balls. And this just wasn't by Ozuna, you know, they, oh, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, they had the guys in center who it was like, why are you running that way for the ball? <laughs> you know, Doing the curl thing. And, yeah. uh, I think Willie has probably stepped in and, and taught direct route. Yes. And uh, he, um, that first year, Schilt was the coach. I think we might have been one of the worst defensive teams. And defense was always one of the standards of the Cardinal. They call the Cardinal way or the how the Cardinals play. Very good defense. But that year, we were horrible. And then they really, I don't know, I think, I think that was maybe about the time Willie came in. And started working with the outfielders, and things started changing, and uh, different personnel through the years too, and everything. But Willie's done a great job. And what I love about him, he's real unassuming. He he just uh, he's you know he works hard, and everybody just loves him. The players always. I know when Bader came back, he gave Willie a hug for and thanked him for all he'd done for him. So uh, man, Willie yeah. McGee, it's just, it's an honor to have him. Willie had uh, Lonnie Smith and left for a while next to him. He had a. Uh... Vince Coleman and left for a while. He had George Hendrick and right. Um, I'm trying to think of who came after Hendrick and played right. Uh, Vance Slyke, who was good. Uh, well, he had some time there, but yeah, Willie, Willie, you know, besides Vance Slyke had to, had to cover a lot of ground because there wasn't much leather on the, on the corners at that time. So um, he, probably Tito Lander, Tito Lander was like a defensive replacement in there. And uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys too, but yeah, you're right. He Willie did a lot. He did the lion's share of the defense out there. Okay, proceed. Okay. Oh, thank you. Um, I think the moves we made at the trade deadline were interesting. A lot of those guys weren't going to be back. Um, Genesis Cabrera has went over to Texas and has done a heck of a job. I seen some of the statistics he put up. Was it Texas he went to? Yeah, yeah I got Texas down. Today. And uh, he's done fantastic for them. I don't know what happened here. He was up and down, some moments of brilliance, but usually he uh, kind of like Carlos Martinez. He would just go out there and uh, it just fall apart on him about one out of every three appearances. So he went down there and he's having a great year. We got a 19-year-old catcher for him. I'm excited about that. Uh, love Jordan Montgomery, who pitched great today, and Stratton. He, they've really helped out. Uh, the Texas team, and we got three players for them, a lefty and a righty, and a kid that won the, uh, it was like the Midwest Minor League Player of the Year, and he hit 316, 26 home runs, and 114 RBIs, and he looks like he's going to be a utility guy, and a lot of people are saying he's going to be like Donovan, but with more power, so uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I'll be honest with you, it probably makes Tommy Edmond expendable, because you can't have three utility guys coming. He's up in Memphis now, probably a year away. So uh, excited about that. Uh, Montgomery probably wasn't going to come back. He was, It's his free agent year. 
uh, and Stratton, the King Kai has taken his spot and done a really good job in the bullpen. Uh, Flaherty left, and we got about three players for him. Drew, uh, oh, his name is, uh, he pitched some down the stretch for him home. Uh, he's, uh, he's a, He's a work in progress. We'll see. But we got three players for them, two pitchers and an infielder. And then Jordan Hicks left, and we got two pitchers for him. So we'll see what happens there. A lot of those guys weren't going to be back this year. Hicks was a free agent. Flaherty was a free agent. And and Jordan Montgomery was a free agent, too. So uh, I like the moves we made at the end of the year. We got something for them. Um, We'll see if a few of them pay off. Uh, The attendance this year and the giveaways. Back back to – the moves that you made yeah um a lot of fans and i'm not talking about hardcore fans but a lot of fans they wonder why are you making these moves uh why are you getting rid of established players for for people we have heard of, basically yeah. um but you hit the nail on the head when these players are approaching free agency and you don't think you've got a good chance of signing them back uh you got to get something for them if you're not in the race and I mean, that's what we did. We uh, we kind of gambled that we'd make the playoffs and, and didn't trade Bellinger. We didn't trade Stroman, although we should have. Um, we didn't trade these players thinking that we had a good shot at the playoffs. And I mean, we missed by by technically one game, but realistically two games uh, because the Marlins had the tiebreaker. Um, but I thought the Cardinals did a good job of because of, they haven't had to make this evaluation for a long time. We're not going to make a run at it this year. This is not our year. Let's get something for these guys who are probably not coming back. And I thought they thought they did an admirable job for not used to being in that position. We didn't get their top five minor leaguers, but we got some you know, 15 and 17 in their minor league. You know, they rate their prospects. So um, pitching, it's all pitching, a, a bullpen guy and a couple of infielders. But that Seguise looks really good. And I think he'll be up in a couple of years as a super utility guy. And um, so we'll see. Uh, the attendance this year, even though it was a bad year, 3.2 million when it was all said and done. And um, I talked to some people that uh, around the country and uh, they're always getting, uh, JJ, will you get me the Donovan bobblehead? Will you get me a, a t-shirt or this or that? And I said, well, what, what do they have up there for me? And they said, we don't have that many giveaways. So some of the other teams, uh, like the Reds and the White Sox and um, the uh, Braves, they don't have it. I, I just assumed every team was like that because the Cardinals have some great giveaways. The golf umbrella, love that. They always have a purse on Mother's Day. Um, and it's very popular. A lot of people go <laughs> this year, they would just go get the prize and then head home, you know, and not set in that 100 degree weather. But it was a good year as far as attendance. And I like how the uh, team really uh, tries to put little extras out there for the fans. So that's always a good thing the Cardinals do. And the last thing I have is um, our defense. I looked up the metrics and the Cardinals ended with the third uh, best uh, percentage in defense. And to be honest, you guys, from one to 16, it's just minute, the defensive thing. But the Cardinals, at the, when it was all said and done, their defense was uh, third. I, I watching them every day. I wouldn't have thought that, but uh, anyway, that's something to hang your hat on. That's about the only stat we had that was uh, nice to see. Everything else was bleak, to be honest with you. So that's my five positives for the Cardinals 
coming out of this year. Okay. Um, scoring update, the uh, Diamondbacks and Brewers are tied at three in the bottom of the third. The Brewers have men on second and third with one out. Josh Donaldson is up. So oh. it's my budding career as a radio announcer. Very nice, Vince. Well, thank you. I hope Ray Hartman enjoyed that because Ray loves the radio. So um, I, 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 this isn't uh, one of my ups. I'm just, you know, we did finish 83 and 79. That was seven games over than what we were projected. Uh, all in all, I thought it was a, a very successful season, even though we, we kind of ran on fumes at the end. And I, I don't want to talk about that in depth until I've had a little more time to process and, and cry and stuff like that. So um, five ups for the Cubs. Uh, Max, who do you think my number one is going to be? Probably say Bellinger. Bellinger. Cody or Bellinger. Steele. Or Steele, one of the two. Yeah. I got Cody Bellinger when I five ups for the Cubs. First thing that came to my mind, Cody Bellinger. He had 307 this year. Now, last year he hit 210, and he played the exact, like, within a few at-bats of, of, of his uh, time last year. He missed uh, 32 games this year. A lot of those was due to injury. I think he was only rested one or two times. Um, but he did end up 307. He had 26 home runs after hitting, like, 18 last year, something like that. Um, so he bounced back with uh, with more home runs, uh, 97 RBIs. If he would have stayed healthy throughout the whole year, he would have eclipsed 100 RBIs. Um, he had an 881 uh, OPS, which is tremendous, a 4.2 war. He stole 20, 20 bases this year, which is a career high. So he's kind of added that weapon to his arsenal now that we have the larger bases and the stolen bases, more of a, a weapon. Um, he, last year, he struck out 150 times, something in that neighborhood. This year, he struck out 87 times. His walk rate, he cut down, or strikeout rate, he cut down to 15%. And that's the biggest thing. He, he retooled the swing. He retooled his whole way of working out. Uh, which uh, retooled the swing a little bit too. So he's got a new routine, a uh, bit of a new swing, and it, it's paying dividends. And the thing I love about the swing is he's got a two-strike swing, and there's not a whole lot of players that have a two-strike swing anymore. I've seen so many times this year, he's got a runner in scoring position. He gets two outs. He's not trying to hit for the fence. He will doink a 88-mile-an-hour uh, exit velo into left field for a hit, bring the run home. Um, on defense, he had a 0 0.2 uh, defensive war, 57, 59 games at first, a uh, 0 0.02 defensive war, 84 games in center. So uh, nothing tremendous, but a little above average. And what I really liked is he conducted himself like a professional um, from spring training on. A lot of spotlight on him, a lot of scrutiny. Um, two just horrible years you're making 17 million are you worth this you know and he handled it with dignity and his first uh, interview that he did with the cubs that interview he did in skype i was very impressed with just 
the way he handles himself. And uh, throughout the whole season, he, he proved to me that he is a professional. So Cody Bellinger is my first of my uh, five ups. My second is who Max uh, talked about, Justin Steele. Um, this isn't a surprise to Cub fans because he was excellent the second half of last year. And indirectly, um, he, I was talking to uh, our guest that we're going to have on here a little bit later. I was talking to him before the show. And indirectly, Justin Steele is responsible for the Cubs not signing uh, Contreras to an extension because Steele had so much more success pitching to Jan Gomes. Um, he was 16-5 and five with a 3.06 CRA. He had 176 strikeouts. And his fastball topped out at 94, 95, but he's usually around 91, 92 with his fastball. Um, so he's not a hard thrower, but he does get his strikeouts. He had a 1.17 whip. Um, he uh, had 173.1 innings, and he only walked 36 batters, and that's one of the keys to his successes. He doesn't walk a whole lot of uh, hitters. So on 30 starts, 36 walks, so a little over one per nine innings or per game. I should say per nine innings per game, which is very good. Uh, what I love about him is his makeup. He is a competitor. He is fiery. Um he is so confident and and he just goes out there he's takes the ball i'm taking over this game and he pitches like that um he he did he'd never pitched as many innings before in his professional career so he was a little gas at the end of the season so um you know like the rest of the team uh he kind of rest of the pitching staff he kind of came in on fumes may have cost him a cy young but he will get strong consideration for the cy young um Max, you saw Steele pitch a lot this year. Uh, is there something you want to add that I may have left out? Uh, not too much. Um, it's just great to see a step forward, you know, from the pitching development side, uh, especially a guy who, you know, was never really ranked super high in the top 30, you know, not a cream of the crop guy. And the nice thing about having depth in a farm system is that ideally you'll get more players like that, you know, as they kind of perc percolate through. And then, you know, all you need is one of those guys to take a step forward and just become, you know, just a better player. And you've got an all-star on your hands. Very good. My third up is Albert Alzale. Um, we did not know who our closer was going to be at the beginning of the season. Uh, we were going to piece it together, which I always hate. You know, we're just going to play matchups, so on and so forth. The day of the... Uh, bullpen by committee it has been gone since the 85 Cardinals. Uh, it's, it just doesn't work anymore. You have to have one person that says, I take the ball at the end of the game because that sets your whole relief. Then you go down to your eighth inning man, your seventh inning man, your sixth inning man, and your other players that you'll pitch in a blowout or if you're getting blown out. Uh, so when Abbott stepped in to be the closer, it really settled our bullpen down. Uh, he had 22 saves and 25 save opportunities, 64 innings pitched, uh, 2.67 ERA, 67 strikeouts, a 1.02 whip. And like I said, he only had the three blown saves. A lot of his early stuff was not in the closer role. So whereas, you know, some players, you know, they get, 
45, 50 save opportunities. He just didn't have that many because he wasn't put in that position at the beginning of the year. Um, so I can honestly say this is Adbert went, we went. When we got hot is when he stepped into the closer's role and pitched like a, a madman. When we started to fade there at the end, it's when Adbert got injured. And before we put him on the injured list, he wasn't right for about a week and a half before that, but they were keeping him on the roster. Hopefully he would get right without having to put him on the IL. Ended up having to put him on the IL. And then our bullpen just completely fell apart. We didn't know who was going to close games. We didn't know what pitcher to bring in at what time. So um, Adbert is probably number three as far as MVPs uh, this year for this team uh, behind Cody and Justin. And uh, I can't wait to see what he's going to do next year when he has a full season under his belt as the closer. My fourth uh, up is our defense up the middle. Uh, Jan Gomes, well, I, I'm also going to give their offensive statistics to Jan Gomes had a career year. He had 267. Um, he did hit 10 home runs, 63 RBIs, uh, 723 OPS, which is tremendous in 115 games, and a 1.7 war, a 1.1 defensive war. He uh, threw out 29.4% uh, of base runners. But what I liked about Gomes was he was clutch. He was clutch on offense and he was clutch on defense. The only thing that I can remember that he did egregious on defense the whole year long is when he bumped into Smiley and Smiley lost that perfect game. Other than that, I don't have any criticisms. <laughs> He far exceeded my expectations, and I don't think we can count on him to uh, duplicate that next year. But, man, it was fun to watch this year. Um, Max, were you as surprised uh, with Gomes' season as I was? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he was going to be the starting catcher, but, you know, he's no JT Real Muto. He's, he's not going to carry your offense or anything, but he's been one of the most clutch hitters, and, God, it just – I think during the Rocky series, he had a go-ahead RBI. He's just been so clutch for us this year. And all the guys love pitching to him, which is, you know, just as important as the bat. So that was really nice to see. Yeah, and I think also we got to a point where we were so comfortable with him. We got rid of Barnhart uh, because he hey, he's done. Um, as far as his, his career goes, he can't hit, he can't field. Um, when you can't hit or field, you're not a baseball player anymore. Um, but we had enough, uh, confidence in Gomes that we could bring up Amaya and Gomes could mentor him <laughs> on major league catching and Amaya who, who's barely played, uh, the past couple of years, uh, was a solid backup for us. And you can see where, um, Gomes can pass him the torch when Gomes is ready to retire. And that's probably going to be a a process of maybe the next uh, season or two. I don't know how long we're going to have Gomes wrapped up, but man, he's, he's my kind of catcher up the middle. We also have uh, Nico at second base. Nico had a very fine offensive year, 283 batting average, nine home runs, 68 RBIs, uh, 729 OPS. Um, he did steal 43 bases, uh, which was tops on our team and one of the tops in the, uh, 
the uh, National League. Uh, he had a 5.0 war and a 1.9 defensive war. He only committed seven errors all year long, and he is very smooth. Um, he's He covers a lot of ground, has a lot of range, very athletic, and he can turn the double play like it's nobody's business. Uh, 988 fielding percentage, and I when, when the ball was hit on the uh, uh, first base side, it was go get it, Nico, and generally he would. And then to compliment him, we have who I think is the best defensive shortstop that I've seen uh, maybe since uh, Omar Vizquel. Uh, Dansby Swanson uh, hit 244 this year, had a really down offensive year, 22 home runs, 80 RBIs, and really the last last couple of weeks whenever we needed him to come up with big hits, he just didn't. Uh, so he's getting a lot of criticism now. Um, but he had a 4.8 war, a 2.7 defensive war. And uh, watching him play shortstop was just incredible. He's he's a magician. Um, Max, what'd you think about the uh, gentleman up the middle? Uh, I know what you think about Nico. What'd you think about uh, Dansby's year? I think he had a good season. Uh, even if he really slumped with the bat, he still hit 20 home runs. 20 outs above average at any position is ridiculous. I mean, that's the most in the majors of any player this year. Uh, not just among, you know, middle infielders. He'll probably win a platinum glove, if I had to guess. Uh, Nico's right up there with him with 15 outs above average. And, you know, obviously, defensively, they could probably be a little bit better, especially on the corners. But uh, Nick Madrigal still put up nine outs above average as a role player, which is just absolutely amazing. If you had told me at the beginning of the season that I'd want Nick Madrigal on my roster playing third base or I'd want Miles Mastroboni taking up a roster spot, I'd think you're crazy. But I think the Cubs did a really good job with those two acquisitions. Um, even if they could have maybe gotten something better uh, in the, I guess that was the Kimbrel deal. And then I think they traded a relief prospect for Master Boney, but both of them had okay seasons. Uh, good role players are the key to success. You're going to need guys who can, you know, pinch hit and make good defensive substitutions. So I was quite happy with that. Yeah, Swanson's getting a lot of flack. Um... Because, I mean, facts are facts. He did not hit with runners in scoring position the last few weeks of the season. But um, if we had another shortstop who was not Dansby Swanson, we probably would have been a few games. May, we may not have hit 500. His defense was that good. And uh, I, I just love to watch him play with that leather on a play. My last of the five ups is just the power that we produced. Um, we didn't have anybody thump 45 home runs, um, although next year we will. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but these are the players who hit at least 20 home runs. Morell and Bellinger had 26 to lead the team. Wisdom had 23 and about 250 at-bats. Swanson had 22. Candelario had 22, only nine were with the Cubs, but had him in our lineup. Hap hit 21, and Suzuki hit 20. So we kind of had a lot of power spread out throughout the lineup. Um, and talking about doubles, Candelario had 39 doubles. Uh, most of them was with Washington. Um, Suzuki, 31. Hap, 35. Bellinger, 29. Horner, 27. Uh, Swanson, 25. So 
we don't look like we had this great offensive team with a lot of power because we don't have that standout thumper um, that other teams may have that's going to pop 35 or more home runs. But the power was consistent throughout the lineup, and I think that benefited us to give us a much more balanced offense than we had had in, in years past. So that's my five ups. Now let's talk about five downs. Well, can I talk about what I like about each team this year? Yes, please. All right. So starting with the Cardinals, I really like their offense. Uh, by OPS Plus, which, you know, standardizes for ballpark and stuff like that, they actually had a above-average offense better than the Cubs did. And none of those guys are going to be free agents, and you don't really predict any huge declines from any of them. Uh, in fact, you would actually expect Jordan Walker to probably hit better. I wouldn't surprise me if he hit 25 home runs next year. Uh, don't quote me on that but it could happen. I'm with so you. that's really nice. And another thing is they have a lot of money coming off the books this off season. They actually, they're, they don't, they're not paying Wainwright anymore. The money's deferred. So it doesn't count against their payroll. They'll have, they have about a hundred thousand or a hundred million dollars before they hit the first tier of the CBT. And I don't know if they've ever gotten that close to that, but they do have a lot of money coming off and they can definitely add one of the many free agent starting pitchers. So I think they'll be right back into next year, uh, even if this year was kind of a failure or whatever. Uh, the vibes were bad. Teams just it just happens sometimes. But I don't know. I think they're gonna swing a big trade, uh, spend some money, probably look at the Mariners a little bit. They've got a surplus of pitching. Maybe you go after one of their guys. So I really like that. I, I love their offense. I think it'll get better because you know when the vibes are bad and you know you're not winning games. Sometimes everyone just kind of slumps a little bit. And even despite that, they were still above average, you know, as a whole in the season. So I really like that. For the Cubs, uh, there's so much. I think it was a great season. It, it, kind of holistically, uh, in a vacuum, it was a bad season. Uh, we missed the playoffs. Even though we didn't really have the expectations for it, there was a point where we were like 10 games above 500, 92% chance to make the playoffs. Failing at that point sucks. That's a bad season, but organizationally, I think it was a really important year developmentally. Uh, top five farm system. A lot of guys took steps forward. Say Suzuki looks like he could finally, you know, live up to his potential and be, you know, a really, really productive player. I'm just, I have his baseball savant pulled up right now. It's bright red for everything. No blue whatsoever on a stat cast page. Even his K percentage, the one knocking him K percentage, 47%. So just slightly below league average. And he's just, I think he's going to have a monster year next year. So I don't know. That's what I like about the Cubs. They also have some money freeing up, but not as much as the Cardinals do. Yeah, Suzuki, I was going to have one of my five ups, but um, he really didn't get rolling until after the benching, the beginning of August. And then after that, I think he was like the third best hitter in baseball. I, this this uh, collapse. Suzuki, even though he had that drop fly ball, Suzuki is one of the reasons we actually got to that point. So no issue with Suzuki. Um, as far as the Cardinals go, I, I read an article today and they were talking about the, you know, who the Cardinals would possibly trade. And I think it's it's a foregone conclusion. They're getting rid of Tyler O'Neill. Um, they got to get rid of some of that log jam of young talent in the outfield and just get some guys hey, you're, you're a left fielder, you're going to play uh, four out of five games. Uh, 
maybe sit you against the lefty or something like that, depending on who the player is. He's one of them. Dylan Carlson's another one. Um, and the, the third one uh, was Wilson Contreras. Thinking, okay, I don't know how they're going to trade him. But, I don't either. Uh, he has a full no trade clause, so he'd have to waive it too. He, I don't. Uh, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. I think um, it's probably Kisner that's going to be going since Herrera's coming. You know, and he had a good, decent year this year. Maybe he could help somebody, but like throwing in a trade to get some pitching. Yeah, I that that's one thing that does. You know, as Max said, you know, the future is not bleak for the Cardinals. Um, I see this year as more of an aberration, not a, hey, this team is, is at the skids and they're terrible um, because they, I mean, they have been public. We are going after pitching. And that's just not the cardinal way to, to, to make that kind of a public uh, um, proclamation. So they are going to, they are going to go after pitching. And I think when they move a couple of these outfielders and get more of a set outfield, um that would be beneficial for the team so so you got your five downs oh yeah and you guys kind of uh went around a couple of them there uh max i want to thank you for the kind words about the cardinals because i'll be honest with you every year when the cardinal season's over even if they win it all i get a little depressed i've been kind of sad my wife had a hallmark movie on the other day and i cried my eyes out i think i just think i'm having a rough go of it right now give me a week I'll, I think I'll be back to being the jerk that I am, but man, I'm having a rough go of it. So I thank you for the kind words. Um, I think we're a little spoiled here in Cardinal land. We've had winning seasons, I think 14 or 15 years in a row until this year. And that's just part of life. There's ups and downs, but our downs this year is injuries. We've had a ton of injuries. Um, just when it seemed like a guy was starting to get going, we'd have some injuries. And I think once the Cardinals were out of it, we were just set a lot of guys. I know once we were mathematically eliminated, Arenado went ahead and went on the IR. I think he would have played till the end of the year if there was a chance we could have made the playoffs and stayed in there and played. Um, one of the things about the injuries this year, too, sometimes we don't even know about injuries. But last year, the big difference was the team really leaned on Arenado and Goldie and Pujols the second half of the year. Uh, this year, they both hit in the 270s. Uh, they were just they just had okay offensive years. Well, okay. They had power and RBIs, but they only hit in the two seventies. Um, and uh, the rest of the team really didn't come in and help except for maybe Jordan Walker and Contreras. Uh, so we had a, a four headed monster, but a lot of them were in and out of the lineup too. So uh, that was the main thing injuries this year uh, pitch. And then my second one was pitching and bullpen. We just never got in there would be a week and a half go by before we would get a quality start. And uh, some people, I heard a lot of people saying uh, Wainwright should have retired last year. Um, maybe so, but he was still, oh, you were one of them, but maybe so, but he was probably still one of our five start best starters. I'll be honest with you. He, he'd go out there, he'd take the ball, his body kind of gave out there in stretches. And uh, I mean, he, he give you everything he had. And I think he was good on the bench. And talking to the other guys, uh, Michaelis had ups and downs, uh, more downs than ups. I think he ended up winning nine. Matt's finally kind of discovered himself, but then he got hurt. So we had so many uh, injuries. And then that kind of spilled over in the bullpen. But I don't think our bullpen was – we had four really good guys at the end, but they were all kind of hot and cold. And the one guy that was real consistent, Zach Thompson, we sent down to the minors 
to stretch him out to be a starter. So it was just a cluster from the kind of uh, April was terrible and May some bad decisions were made and we were had such a hole to dig out of. It just seems like we never got it going. So uh, that's two of the things. Uh, then another thing I was going to talk about is the front office chaos. I don't know. Ali Marmel's a young coach, a young manager. I think he was wanting to put a stamp on the team and be a little hard nose at time. But when he called Paul, I, I do think O'Neill on the play that he uh, criticized him on TV, I think that should have been kept in-house. I think that caused a lot of problems. And uh, I, during the play, I didn't think O'Neill hustled from second to third. And then when they waved him, he was surprised and he took off. I, I don't think he was hustling the whole way, but that's a thing I would have probably talked to him behind the scenes and like, come on, man, we got to do better than that. You're better than that kind of thing. Maybe that, and that would have been it probably, but then this blew up into a whole thing. And there was times I don't think O'Neill even tried to come back this year, but yeah, I, the, the, the domino effect when a, when a manager does that is the next player is like, well, is he going to throw me under the bus? If I do something wrong, it, it permeates in a clubhouse and that's, no matter what level you play on, when a manager scolds you in a public way um, or, or scolds one of the players in a public way, it just kind of, oh, kinda yes. like, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I mean, I had a, I had a football coach in high school who, you know, football coaches. Oh yeah. Be, That's a... Just would just get on to a play and i mean the first time he did it, my my thought wasn't i need to be better my thought was i'm gonna lay low and not let this guy embarrass me in front of the team so it, it, that that may have had one of the uh issues with the cardinals this year and, and o'neill always seems like he's the most physically fit he works out like a crazy man that could be some of his problems with his injuries but he's never been what I would call a slacker or anything as far as a fan watching the game. Um, he's won gold gloves out in the outfield. He uh, seems like he hustles, but that particular play, he didn't hustle. And it kind of cost us the game. And I wish they would have kept that. But then, like you said, Vince, there was a ricochet thing. Uh, then it wasn't much later. We had a Walker. Uh, Jordan Walker got sent to the minors. He made the team. He only had played a month. And they sent him down there because he wasn't getting enough elevation on the ball, I believe is what they said. He came back, and maybe it worked. He came back in June, and he had a great uh, – I'm sorry, I said great. He had a good rookie season with a lot of um, hope for the future. It seemed like each month he got a little bit better and better. I like his plate discipline. There was a lot of times when you're a rookie, there were some balls just off the corner a lot of times, and that happens to everybody, but they'd call it a strike, and then he'd have to go outside the strike zone and go after some pitches. But this kid, and he played a better outfield as well as the season progressed. But when they sent him down, they probably should have just kept him up. Um, that's what I think. And then we had the Contreras thing where a couple of the pitchers supposedly said they didn't want to pitch to him or he wasn't as good as the other catcher. And, um, hey, man up. You're in the pros. And I like Contreras. I think he's a good leader. He's a fireball. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this. But, um, and Contreras did this, but a lot of players do it. When a player is, th they get a call they don't like and they throw their equipment, I think they should be tossed out of the game. There was a couple of times the Cardinals did it. We got tossed. I see some times where uh, they say, oh, let the kids play. But if you're tossing helmets and stuff around, I, I, I'd probably throw you out of the game too. We had some of that going on this year. 
And I didn't mean to say that on the Contreras thing. It was other players too. But I like him because he's a he's fiery. Arenado's a real fiery guy. Goldschmidt's just even Steven. He don't show no emotion. But uh, that was some of the things. That was the third thing. It's just Ollie didn't seem to have control of the team. He may, and I don't know if it's coming from the upper echelon in in management, but it just seems like they didn't have control of the team this year and and things. Just a bad bad attitude and things at times. Um, I think they need to pick a starter. Like you said, Vince, we've got like seven, eight outfielders with more coming. And it seems like they need to pick, like you said, with the bullpen, they need to know the roles. Who are the starters? We had a lot of injuries this year. So a lot of guys did get to play, but at second base, we had like five guys playing some time at second base. Um, I didn't mention the, the young, the young had a bounce back season and when it was coming and we were able to trade the young uh, which I ble- bless him. I hope he has a great rest of his career, but when's the guy that's coming and getting the position. So that worked out good there. But at second base, it just seems like there was about five guys and uh, Donovan and Ed- Edmund played all over the place. I-, I just wish they'd have a starting lineup. And these are the guys who play the line share of the games. That wasn't going on this year. And the last thing was we did not hit with men in scoring position. Uh, I looked at some stats as far as our, Hitting with nobody on base, we were respectable. But with men in scoring position, we were like 28th in the league. And uh, that's got to be fixed. I don't know if they're swinging for the fences or like you were talking about Bellinger with two strikes. He's he's dangerous with two strikes. You know, he'll find a way to get that ball in play and something happening. So the Cardinals did not have that happening this year. And so that's my five big negatives for the Cardinals this year. Well, my five downs for the Cubs, uh, first I'm going to start with Jaden Carter. Um, not having uh, the roster set at the beginning of the season, um, not having a right fielder when Suzuki went on the disabled list, and uh, we started with Mancini and Mastroboni in right field. Just no plan to to have anybody in right field that could man defensively right field. And that's not on Ross. That's that's on uh, the gentleman who put the roster together, and that to me was unexcusable. Um, you you have a player go down. You've got to have at least someone who can man the position, and I don't mean someone who can swing the bats because just about anybody can swing the bats. Um, but you have to have somebody who can put a glove on and at least do an adequate job catching fly balls, throwing to the right base, stuff like that, the kind of stuff that makes you lose games. Whenever you don't have a guy who takes a good route to the ball, throws to the right base, um, and right field in Wrigley Field is the toughest right field in baseball. That blew my mind. Was it Mastroboni who started the first game? I think Mastroboni who started the first game at right. Yeah, man? I think so. Mm-hmm. That, that was like the heck is this um so my second problem uh with jen carter the uh eric cosmer trade i know it cost them the league minimum but it didn't make sense at the time um we had uh mancini that we thought was going to play first base and we had uh, a bellinger who could cover first base too and we also had mervis in the minor leagues Adding Hosmer, and I know he's a great guy, but adding Hosmer made 
absolutely no sense, particularly being he had not been a good player for a few years. So I I didn't get that from Jen Carter. And the, the other thing is they didn't pick up enough help at the deadline for, for the bullpen. They got Quas, that was it. It was almost like, we'll get Candelario, we'll get the best rental bat on the market, but I'm not sure we believe in this team enough to get rid of some prospects, you know, lower rated prospects to pick up some some relief help. And that really bit us in the donkey at the end. So I didn't get that. So Jed and Carter, um, that's my down, uh, my first down. My second one is Stroman. Um, Stroman, the guy who lobbied for a contract extension through uh, social media. We don't see who that. Who made the all-star game. Yeah. May I remind you, I, I would not have him as a down. Okay, I, well, I'll, I'll get into this. Um, he lobbied for an extension on social media, which isn't done in baseball. I know it's done in basketball. It's done a little bit in football, but in baseball, it was, it was, it's not done. And I think that rubbed some of the traditionalists in the front office, maybe a few of the players in a wrong way, because baseball has been kind of the sport where you take care of the business behind closed doors and then you announce it when it's done. You come up with an extension or something like that. Um, his ERA from that start in London for the rest of the year, the guy who is supposed to be the linchpin of our starting rotation was over eight. That that That's why I've got him as a down. If he would have pitched average, maybe picked up three or four victories, <laughs> it would have been a difference. Um, but he had a great first couple of months up until the All-Star break or up until that London series. And then he just fell apart. And I know he had some injuries. Um, how much that had to do with it, I don't know, because he seemed to pitch exactly the same way he'd been pitching when he came off the IL, um, you know, balls bleeding over the middle of the plate that are getting hammered. He doesn't throw hard enough to get away with it. He's got to be so fine. And he just was not so fine in the London series on. Um, my fourth down is Smiley, or my third down is Smiley, um, 11 and 11 with a five ERA. Uh, we signed him before this season for two years. Uh, we got um, 142.1 innings, and he has a 1.43 whip, and that's after a tremendous first six weeks. So he pitched so bad. At the same time, Tyum started pitching, or Stroman started pitching so bad. Uh, my fourth is Tyone, and I, I yeah, kind of hesitated to put him on here, but I am mostly because of the contract. We're paying him good money to be better in this. 8 and 10, ERA approaching 5, 4.84. Um, he did throw 154 innings. Uh, you know, we're probably looking for maybe 175, 100 innings from him or 180 innings from him. Um, what, what was frustrating about Tyone is he would have these blow-up innings, and they, they didn't seem to make sense. He would be cruising and then suddenly he get got hit hard or he would go out the first inning and get hit hard give up four or five runs and then he would pitch five shutout innings so the the ingredients for a really solid 
third starter is there, and we saw it this year, that the whole body of work for what we were paying him to do, I'm going to call that a down. Um, my fifth down is Patrick Wisdom. Um, yes, he did hit uh, 23 home runs uh, to go along with the 208 batting average. We're saying, hey, 208, you know, that's 30 points higher than Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> Um, 268 at bats, he had 111 strikeouts. So over a full season, um, you're looking at a guy who may have struck out 250 times. Um, his war was 0 0.3. Um, but this is what really puts me on the, and it's not his fault that they put him in sometimes. This is a DH now. This is not a third baseman anymore. And I know we had injuries at the end of the year and he had to play. A 0 0.8 defensive war. Playing third, he had a 927 fielding percentage. That's god awful. Um, he was he played first. Um, he didn't have the uh fielding percentage that low at first base, but there was just things that a first baseman knows to do that he didn't know what to do because that's not his normal position. We played him at second base one year. We played him in the outfield a little bit. Next year, whatever team he lands on, and I don't care if he's playing in Korea, um, just leave your glove at home. You, you don't need the glove. You're you're a DH. Um, I'm not going to get into Ross at this time. Uh, I think through the season, everybody kind of knows my feelings on Ross, um, so I'm not going to add him you know, to that. So all in all, um, the downs weren't so bad. Um, the, the one that really hurts the Jed and Carter, you know, that that's one that kind of bothers me more than anything else. Stroman did battle injury. Uh, I don't know what happened with Smiley. I don't know what would happen periodically with Tyone, but, uh, and wisdom. I mean, this is the player he's been for the last few years. He first year we had him, he was a decent first baseman or third baseman. I don't know what happened. I just don't know age or what. So um, that's uh, that's my five downs for the Cubs. It's what crazy because I feel like I I disagree with almost all those except for maybe the smiley one. Okay, what would you so, have? Um, I can't think of five right now, so I'll just I'll, I'll uh, I don't know. I I don't think Wisdom is a bad player in that role. Hitting 23 home runs and 268 at-bats is impressive. That's that's power that this team thought they needed going in. They got it from other parts of the lineup. But still, that's a useful player to have, you know, even if they're starting two games a week. You know, it, that's, that's such a useful player to have. Just having that power, like when you're in a game and you're down and you need a three-run homer, yeah, put him in. Why not? Should he have well, DH more? Probably. Well, where's Morello going to play? He's he's basically positionless too. I mean, and they're effectively I don't want to say the same hitter, but a similar vein of hitter, I guess. Lots of Ks, lots of power. The the thing about wisdom, I think 14 of his home runs came in the first 2 months. And That is true. But he's he, also hurt for 3 months. He missed half the season. Let's say you double his at bats he's not going to hit 46 home runs because at the end of the season, they were only playing him against 
slow throwing left-handers because he wasn't catching up the fastballs anymore. So he, they maximized what they could get out of him based upon who was pitching. So I just, for a guy that we thought was going to be our starting third, and, and like I said, my biggest issue with him is the defense. I can, I said at the beginning of the year, if he doesn't hit much for average, but pops a lot of homers and he's sitting seventh, eighth in the lineup, I'm good with that. That's when I thought he was going to be adequate at third base, um, but he hasn't been. So mm-hmm. It's just towards the end of the season, I don't know any other position player on the 28-man roster I'd kind of replace him with. Like, I guess you could look at the farm system, but those guys aren't known quantities. Wisdom has been doing this thing for you know, three years now for the Cubs, at least. So I think he was utilized completely. Okay. For who he is. Okay. He was utilized. Okay. I'm just saying for who he is, I I don't like my third baseman with a 927, especially when you've got a pitch to contact team with a 927 filling percentage. And that doesn't even count the balls that he didn't get to because he, for some reason has his feet stuck in the cement so mm-hmm. I, you you don't have a problem with what jen carter didn't do at the beginning of the year they didn't think this team I, no matter what they've said they didn't think this team would be good because nobody did and you know why risk you know acquiring a, what first baseman were available realistically going into that season i mean in terms of free agency it was completely barren i guess they could have had cody bellinger play first yeah, but, Bellinger and Mancini could play first. Mancini could not play first. He could play first. Okay, that I'm saying going into the season, that's what we thought. We have mm-hmm. two guys who can play first, and we also have this prospect who we would like to give some opportunities to play first. He didn't make the most of them. Uh, he had a terrible time when he was in the majors. But that's what we had. The Hosmer signing just didn't make sense to me. I know it was cheap. And I know he's a great guy, but when you look at what he had done his last few years in the league, there was nothing left in the tank. That that that's and not having an option in right field. Um, who played right field for Iowa at the beginning of the year? Mm. Is that Davis? It would have been Davis for a bit. Uh, Perlaza, mostly DH, but he would have gotten some starts in there. I, I would have brought someone up and because I I just think you gotta have defense first. You gotta have someone in that right field who can at least catch the ball and throw it to the right bases. That that mm-hmm. so. that was pretty inexcusable. Yeah. But I don't think they signed Hosmer for his production. I think they they kind of saw themselves in a similar spot to where the Padres were a few years ago, where you know they wanted a veteran who could, you know, be there. And, you know, maybe he's uh, obviously the Padres signed him for his offensive production. He just never delivered that. But they saw that team kind of in a similar way as we want, you know, a veteran in the clubhouse to be here because this is going to be a younger team. And then, weirdly enough, more veterans got added as the year went on. And they did cycle out. Eventually, I will give them credit for cutting bait because they did eventually get rid of Barnhart and Hosmer and Mancini, you know, which was those were combined, what, a $10 million investment that kind of failed. Yeah. It's certainly something they need to do better next year or just avoid doing now that they have a much better roster. Yeah. In general baseball news, uh, it 
who was it, Jeff Pawson, who reported the Cubs are uh, very interested in um, the polar bear. Oh, so, uh, Alonzo. Alonzo. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe so, the Mets would not let him go. He's terrific. So that's when I said, you know, we don't have anyone who's hit 40 home runs well this year. Uh, if we if we can trade for Alonzo, oh um, I don't know. Who would I rather have? Um, I don't know. Then again, if we had Alonzo, he would quit killing us. Well, he'd have a bad year because he wouldn't have Ross to pitch to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Bruce Levine reported it that he's he's very interested in a trade. Um, apparently, he was really upset with the Buck Showalter firing. He tried to go straight to Steve Cohen and and voice his complaints, and he had to be talked out of it. So we'll see if he's still there. Yeah, Buck Showalter. That's not the problem with the Mets. So. They're the Mets. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've done these down things, but you know what would lift us all up? Jeremy Connor. Jeremy Connor. Comes a time in every man's life when he needs some advice on relationships. You need to listen to the podcast DMDR, which stands for Dating, Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage, for my good friend, Jeremy Connor, the Dr. Phil of the Boot Hill. You can find DMDR on Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. Well, I would like to welcome, I do not know this guy, we talked a little bit on the internet, uh, on the internet, but Bo Thompson, I want to welcome him to our podcast. Welcome, Bo, to the One Cardinal, One Cub one beer podcast. Thank you for coming hey. on. Hey, thanks for having me. And I, I've got a beer with me. I don't. I don't know if I can show it. I don't know if there's uh, sponsorships there, so <laughs> I won't show my beer. But I've got one with me. Well, I discovered you on the card life. I'm a card collector too. Although I'm across the, you know, there's the car, the Cub guys, and I'm on the other side of the river. I'm a Cardinal guy, but uh, I enjoyed your enthusiasm and your love for the sport for the hobby and you were uh i i tell you what you just had a, a a smile on your face that lit up the room and i thought this would be a great guy to talk to about collecting and and baseball and everything and uh the first thing we ask all of our guests is what how did you become a fan what's your how'd your fandom become uh who you are today and where did it come from you know it kind of it started from a from about my earliest memory of you know when I was three four five years old and I just remember being around my dad my uncle family uh and and when I think back to that time I just there's two voices and it's Harry Carey and Steve Stone on Chicago Cubs baseball broadcasts on WGN and uh that's just kind of the soundtrack to my childhood and from from that early age, it just, it, it was a, it, it was a bug that, that I never got rid of. And I'm glad I did. Very good. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> When's the first time you went to Wrigley? You know, I was a late bloomer. I didn't go to Wrigley until 20. Oh man. Uh, 2004. 2005 it was after the 03 um so i was in my probably early 20s by that point my first cubs game 
I went to uh, I went to a White Sox game probably in ninety uh, nine or two thousand. I went down to St. Louis and I think in two thousand one, and then I didn't I didn't get to Wrigley until like two thousand four, I think. So it was uh, I was the late bloomer, but uh, I make it down. Uh, I'm in Wisconsin, so I say down. I make it down to to Wrigley a, a few times a year. So you've seen the evolution of Wrigley over the past twenty years. It's changed so much. It's amazing. And the the changes, I was there in, uh, let's see, 2016 would have been, the, of course, the World Series year. 2016, my last uh, time at Wrigley Field was actually for a concert, Pearl Jam. And I saw Pearl Jam at the end of August in 2016. Love, love Pearl Jam. And uh, they're, of course, big Cubs fans as well. Uh, and then I went back. The first time I went back was in 2017 was actually for my bachelor party and we pull up and, you know, the brick house was there with the, the new Cubs offices. The park is out front. It looked completely different because none of that was there in August of 2016. So much changed just in that, you know, six month time period or nine month time period, 2016 to 2017. It's, it's just amazing what, what is, uh, what has happened in Wrigleyville, in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, before they did all the changes, walking around the stadium was, one of the park is really cool. Um, and now, I'm not saying it's not cool now, it's just like, it's, it's it, all, it almost looks like we're in a different location, but we're not. It's, it's, it's very commercialized, um, which uh, there is kind of a, a you know, a, Disneyland type feel to the to the neighborhood now uh which is good and bad I hate the video boards um you know took away the ball hawks um but uh but but all in all I I like most of the changes that have taken place uh around Wrigley Field and in the neighborhood and uh you know the streets that surround uh Wrigley Field it's 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 certainly a change but for the most part I think it's for the better I can hear I always feel like Wrigley Field is like going to church. I feel like it's such. I so it's like sacred ground. Ty Cobb and Ruth and all those guys played on that field. And uh, now I'm I may be a little older than you by the looks of things. I'm a lot older than you. And I was in the Navy in '87, and I would take the train down to to Wrigley and watch games. And uh, the last game of the season, I snuck on the field. They were fixing the field up for winter, and I just walked on the field and. I got to stand in Andre Dawson's spot. He wore down in right field. So I am a I'm a fanatic too. They finally ran me off when I was taking pictures of myself warming up in the bullpen. They ran me out of there. But that is that's a true story. But my favorite cub of all time for me is Sean Dunstan. I love that guy. He had a cannon arm, great player. He later came over and played a few years with us. But um, my favorite player. Do you have a favorite cub player and why? You bring up Sean Dunstan. I actually just met Sean Dunstan for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, and the the original Seanometer was was it was at a, a private party. Uh, the the Seanometer was there. I've I'm trying to collect a million Cubs cards. I've I've uh, tailored my sign to the 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 old Seanometer, so I've got the Cubs cardometer. How many Cubs cards uh, that I'm up to? So Sean Dunstan certainly is is one of my favorites. But I'll tell you. One of my favorites is a guy that never even played for the Chicago Cubs. He was a minor league guy. He was their first round draft pick in 1989. Guy by the name of Earl Cunningham. He was a 
power hitting outfielder out of South Carolina, high school kid drafted in the first round by the, by the Chicago Cubs, just, just put on shows uh, in batting practice, just a long home run hitter. Uh, I don't even know if he made it to double a, but he played in single a and and now we're going to go back to talking before the show about, you know, where I grew up, I grew up in Illinois and uh, you know, lived kind of in the Peoria area. Peoria chiefs were the, uh, uh, the minor league affiliate to the Chicago Cubs back in the you know, the eighties, and uh, Earl Cunningham came up with them. There's a small card show in Kiwani, Illinois, Knights of Columbus Hall, and uh, Earl Cunningham was there signing autographs for like three bucks each, which was for me as a you know eight year old kid, that's a lot of money in 1989, 1990. Uh, but he signed a 1990 score baseball card, and he signed it in blue sharpie, and it just popped. And you know, of course, this is back in the day where you had these big entertainment centers, you know, those, those, you know, faux wood entertainment centers, you put your <laughs> box TV in there. And then on top, you put your trophy. My dad was a big car guy. So he had car show trophies on, on top of the entertainment center. And I asked my parents, can I put my Earl Cunningham autograph baseball card on the entertainment center? And so I, they let me put it in there. So Living in Illinois and kind of like you guys in, in, in St. Louis, we get a lot of humidity in the summer. We didn't have uh, central air growing up. And so a lot of humidity got to it. So after about a year or so, I took it out of that plastic holder and it tore. There was so much humidity in there. It got, it, you know, it got wet. It tore. Earl Cunningham doesn't sign autographs. He's back home in South Carolina, doesn't sign through the mail, doesn't do public signings. It's hard to find his autograph. Found a few over the years, but none were the 1990 score in blue Sharpie, which is what I want. Finally, after about 10 years of looking, somebody reached out to me on social media. They said, hey, aren't you looking for this? And they sent me a link to eBay, and it's a 1990 score Earl Cunningham autographed in blue Sharpie. And I bought that thing right then. So finally, after so long of looking, I got that Earl Cunningham that, you know, it's not the same one that I had when I was eight years old, but it's, you know, just as good. Man. That is a needle in a haystack. <laughs> that is amazing. And, and uh, you, I, I assume you've reached out to him over the years and he just doesn't. Man, if I was a guy who didn't make it much past single A, man, I'd sign anything. <laughs> so, not, not only did I send, because you, you, there's magazines and books that, you know, you, you get addresses for players and, uh, I'd found his address a couple times, sent nothing. I saw a return. Somebody actually had him sign and return on one of the, the autograph groups. And uh, I reached out to him on direct message. I said, hey, I'm, you know, I've, I've been looking for this. I'm trying to get a 90 score in blue Sharpie. And he said, don't tell anybody because, you know, this is kind of a, he, he's not signing through this address. It just by luck, sent it, nothing. I've gone as far in the past. I've Googled him. I found where he works. He's got like a bio on his uh, his work page. I've sent it to his his workplace a couple different times. I've sent him like a one page letter explaining why I'm sending him the autograph, and never received a response. So I had to I had to click buy it now when I saw that on eBay. All right, let me ask you this: of players that people would have heard of, who's your favorite player? 
So uh, Earl Cunningham, I assume most listeners probably haven't heard of, of Earl Cunningham. So, you know, Sean Dunstan's a big one. Uh, my current favorite player is uh, is Ethan Roberts. Um, he's uh, We become really good friends. He's a big baseball card collector. He's a relief pitcher for the Cubs now. Had Tommy John surgery in the offseason last year. He missed all of this year, but uh, he's been rehabbing. He'll be back for spring training. Uh, we become really good friends. Uh, we hung out in, in Mesa at spring training last, uh, this past spring and, and opened up cards. We went to a card show together in, in, uh, Scottsdale, uh, over the spring. He's a big collector, collects his own cards. He had rookie cards in tops update, uh, Allen and Ginter last year. And I think one other set tops heritage. Um, so he collects his own stuff. He collects other players. Um, so Ethan by far is, is my, my current favorite player, um, and, and that's kind of, you, you see this theme going, well, you're a big Earl Cunningham fan. You're an Ethan Roberts fan. Who's a relief pitcher that hasn't pitched much. That's kind of the guys I gravitate towards is, is kind of the, the lesser named guys. Scott Sanderson was one of my favorites from those eighties teams. Love Scott. Up. I mean, he yeah. was, he was a great pitcher, especially on that 84 team. He was a great pitcher. So, you know, Sandberg was great. Grace was great. Sosa was great. But I kind of tend to to lean towards those lesser known guys that, you know, don't have a big fan following like the Scott Sandersons of the world. Yeah, I hear what you say, because my favorite player, one of my favorite players, my favorite player when I was a kid was Bill Madlock and and uh, just loved him. Um, but one of my favorite players that played for the Cubs in the mid late seventies was a bench player named Larry Bittner because he was either going to run into a wall, trying to catch a ball. He, he, he just played without any fear. And I just loved to watch him play. And when people say, well, who was your favorite players growing up? You know, Bill Madlock, Dave Kingman, and Larry Bittner, who B I I T N E R two eyes in there. So, yep. <laughs> How many Larry Bittner cars do you have? Uh, several hundred, several hundred, if not a thousand or more. Uh, Cause he, you know, he was, he was with the Cubs for quite a while, late seventies yeah. into the early eighties. So um, I've got a lot of those cards from the late seventies or in early eighties. Yeah. Have you, have you met him? I have. Um, he would always go and I think, did he pass away recently? If um, he did, it got by me. Okay. Um, but, uh, uh, he would come to the Cubs convention and usually there's a group of, uh, uh, Cubs alumni that would hang out in the, the hotel bar, um, which Cubs convention is kind of my, my Mecca every year. Um, Larry Bittner would be there. Ray Burris is always there. Tim Stoddard, um, who Bobby Dernier is always in the, in, in there, like on Saturday nights, um, Raytown South guys that I'm missing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, and, and they, and they love to talk baseball. They love to share stories and uh, they love talking to fans and uh, you know, Cubs convention is, is just an amazing time. Now, Bo, you've got, I can tell you've got the fever because I'm a, I'm a baseball fanatic too. I, I went around the stadium Saturday and was just talking to fans about the future of the team and what happened this year. And I can just see when you, your passion, when you talk about it, and um, I try to find, I go to use car lots and get cards signed or pictures. I know what you're talking about. Sometimes it's just word of mouth. Somebody says, hey, by the way, someone's going to be here and I'll, I'll show up. So I know how it is. So I have two, a two-part question for you. One is, 
your the big thing I that caught my eye about you is your million dollar march, a million dollar card march to Cub Cards, and um, I sent you today. I sent 125 to you. Now I thought, oh, I'll just go in my collection and I'll just throw a hundred cards together. Let me tell you, it's harder than it you realize. A hundred cards are quite a few cards. And I sent 91 up. I know you probably got all of them I sent, but I went through there and picked out a bunch of good ones for you. So I sent 125 and I'm uh, to my friends, I'm going to say, hey, if you got any cub cards, you know, do anything with, I'm going to try to have them send it your way. The second part is I know you're a married man and I see your baseball room is very neat. How <laughs> does your hobby affect your your wife must be a wonderful person. How did, does she handle your collecting and everything and uh, where you store everything? No, we, uh, when we first started dating, we've been together for nine years now. Very and good. when we first started dating, I had about, I, I basically had kind of the, the shelf uh, behind me, bobbleheads on it. I had a shelf that size with baseball cards. That's all I had which is, yeah, there were probably 30,000 cards on that shelf, maybe. And she goes, oh my God, I've never seen so many baseball cards in my life. And then, so as our re relationship evolved, so did my collecting and somewhat hoarding. So over the last nine years, my collection went from 30, 40,000 to 3 million. Uh, so I've got several rooms here in the basement. Uh, and and she actually does the, the decor, um, she and, and I just stand back, you know. She's like, and and she decorated. You, you can't see some of the stuff, but I'm like, oh wow. She's like, do you have any books? And I'm like, yeah, I've got a whole bunch. They're just in a storage tub, and so bring them on. It's like, hey, that's really cool. So I've got some Cubs books on display in, in my office, and uh, she's got that. She she's in real estate, so she's got that touch. She knows how to stage a room, and so uh, it's, it's nice and organized and, and, uh, it, it works. So she's, she's accepted the fact that I'm a baseball card hoarder and, uh, you know, we've kind of, uh, <laughs> we've kind of adapted, right? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It's always good to have a spouse or a partner that understands, um, because <laughs> if they don't understand, yeah forget it so <laughs> now you're you're looking you you're, you're shooting for a million chicago cubs baseball cards what are you at now i am uh, right around uh 989,000 um i've i'm kind of like pumping the brakes on on publicizing the actual number because so many people early on said when you get to 990,000 I've got all these Cubs cards to send you. So I'm really not ready to hit 1 million just yet. So I'm just kind of like, I'm a little, I'm playing coy. I'm, I'm, I'm playing my, my baseball cards close to my chest. Uh, but I'm at 989,000. Um, and, and I keep track and I've got, you know, I've got on my phone, I've got a little notepad that when I get new cards, I'll add to the count and uh so I'm about 989,000 um and uh it's it's coming up on December of 2017 is when the the project started when I you know kind of went I in 2017 I had about 50 or 60,000 when I actually started the project um and so it's been you know 6 years uh of of accumulating the the rest of them uh nice outstanding 
what what card would you say is your uh I have uh I've got a project where I'm putting all the Enos Slaughter cards, every tops card Enos Slaughter had in a frame with this a big picture of them. That's kind of a project I got going. But what would you say is your uh you got a card that's your showcase or your your, your go-to card or anything? I've got I've got a showcase uh that I've got about my 40 favorite um Cubs baseball cards and they, they go back to the 1800s. I've got some, I've got, I think I've got three uh, old judge uh, from the 1887 in there. I've got a couple Frank chance from the early 1900s. Joe Tinker is kind of one of those older players that I always try to, to grab when I find them, um, you know, all the way up to my buddy, Ethan, his, his tops rookie card in a PSA 10. I've got that in my showcase. Um, I, I try to kind of mix it up all generations uh, some of my favorite cards, Earl, my Earl's 90 score was in the showcase, but he got bumped out because I found a Frank chance that that's the thing. I'm not organized. So I've got some random stuff and I'll open a box and it's like, oh, I forgot I had this. So I'm like, I'm going to bump Earl for Frank. So, uh, yeah, I've got my 40 favorite in a, in a showcase and I do need to find a way to, to kind of showcase some of the other cards, but, um, you know, kind of difficult sometimes to, to showcase, especially when you're dealing with the volume that I've got. Very good. I stand in awe of you. I thought I had a good collection going, but I tip my cap to you, sir. <laughs> now, do you ever have people that want to come in and view your collection, or do you just kind of keep this to yourself? Uh, I, I've had a lot of people like, hey, I want to stop by. I want to see this in, in the card room. Um, I, I had one person on Twitter and this was a few years ago said, Hey, I've got, I've got a bunch of old sixties cards and uh, I'm, I'm coming to Madison. Let's meet up. So, uh, he tells me, Hey, I'm in Madison and he was a consultant for a company. And I'm like, okay. He's like, well, my, the company I'm, I'm going to consult with is in Verona, which is actually where my street, my old house, my street address was in Verona. And said, oh, what, what's the company? And the company he named, you can see from, you can literally see that the roof of their building from my backyard. And I said, I live like two blocks from there. And so he's like, is it okay if I just stop by and deliver myself? I'm like, my wife was a little hit, like be inviting strangers to our house. <laughs> But it was okay. And added, the cards he gave me were like Lou Brock, you know, early Lou Brock cards, Ron Santo, Billy Williams. There were some Ernie Banks cards, later career Banks cards in there. So it was a lot of good stuff. It's like, I don't want anything for him. He lived in Alabama and was visiting Wisconsin. He was consulting for this company that was, you know, just down the street from me. So um, I do show off, uh, you know, my my collection on on various social media platforms and um it's not like i have a museum my, my my wife wouldn't you know really want me to to open up our doors to to view the collection as a, as a museum but you know people in the area have have stopped by okay so jj and i won't stop by that's 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 okay <laughs> not invited for... well but we do want to thank you uh we do have to uh do the rest of the show <laughs> so yeah, it sucks because i know jj would rather talk baseball cards for three hours than anything else so <laughs> Bo, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on and uh, and and good luck with your journey and uh, meeting the players and just the history of the game and enjoying it. And I actually I mean this. I'm a Cardinal fan, but good luck to the Cubs next year. I hope we both make it. That's thank my you. that'd be nice. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for being on. We do thank want to thank Bo for joining us. Uh, great job. Uh, very. Uh, I couldn't imagine having one million Chicago Cubs baseball cards, but I do have a pack of Dondras. We're going to open up. Oh, I went ninety-one Bowman. Oh, we're both going old schools. Yeah, how about that? This is a great time for you to be on here. We're going to play the game. You tell us if you know these players. Gotcha. I'll go ahead and go first, okay? All right. And uh, we have the puzzle piece. Uh, Warren Spahn. That's his uh, Oh, yeah. I've heard of him. Uh, 363 career wins, something like that. Just... Yep, 100 B-War. Yeah. Oh, former pitcher for the Blue Jays, the pride of Southern Illinois University, Dave Steve, former All-Star. Oh, I love Dave Should Steve. be Hall of Famer. He's close. He was the ace of the Blue Jays when they first came into the league for many, many years. And, uh, Eh. You know, in today's world, he'd be considered a much better pitcher because yeah, in those days, wins didn't mean any or meant a lot more. Former All-Star, pitch for the Expos, pitch for the Twins, Charlie Lee. Nope. Well, yeah, yeah, I know Charlie Lee. Yeah. He once started an All-Star game. Uh, former Cardinal, former Brave, Gerald Perry. Nope. Nope. First baseman, outfielder. This guy, every time there was a game, he was right there ahead, always in the game. That's why <laughs> Randy Reddy. He was uh, ripe and ready. Great baseball name. Uh, former Giant, former Pirate, former Cardinal who pitched in that 82 World Series, Dave LaPointe, left-hander. Oh, Oh, and this is the guy who had more gastro uh, problems than anybody else in baseball. <laughs> but I remember about Tim Belcher, he was pitching for the Mariners in the playoffs and he lost the game. They went to interview him in the tunnel and he just let fly a bunch of ex just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Former All-Star, former Rookie of the Year and MVP, uh, won Rookie of the Year and MVP the same year, Fred Lynn. Oh, yeah, that's right. Red Sox at the time. Playing for the Tigers at this time. Uh, former DH for the Orioles, had some power, Larry Sheets. Nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. He once hit 31 home runs for the 87 Orioles. One flap down. The most Jeff Leonard. Was Jeffrey Leonard. Yeah, he said it was a cow town. Yeah. Former Cub closer, former Philly closer, former Ranger closer, Mitch Williams, the wild thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. Fell off the mound. Pitched with his hair on fire. Oh, here's Pedro's brother, Ramon. Yeah, I love Ramon Martinez. Star uh, once or twice. Uh, uh, former quarterback for the University of Michigan, Rick Leach, who decided, I think I'll do, go to baseball instead. He should have stayed in football. <laughs> um, one year, he, I think for the Tigers, he did have a really good year 
like in a Yeah, well, no, for the Blue Jays, he hit 309 in 86 with no power. So that's what I was thinking of. Uh, guy who got one of the biggest hits in uh, Minnesota Twins history, Minnesota, who won today, um, Mr. Gene Larkin. Oh, yeah, Gene Larkin. Uh, former point guard for the University of Illinois. Not really. Um, he's got the same name as Frankie Williams. I don't know who this is. Former Cub. Padre Carmelo Martinez. Oh, yeah. So um, I got no Hall of Famers. Well, I mean, I got a piece of Horns, Horns Bond, but that was it. So, JJ, what do you have? Well, I have a piece of gum from 1991. We're in a time machine right there. I'm going to put it in the corner and, and, and kill the uh, silverfish. We're going to get them silverfish <laughs> taken care of. All right. Now, are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to lean forward so I can show these uh, cards off. Uh, this guy was a fine uh, shortstop and also known as the General, General Colin Powell right there. 91, we were still in Desert Storm. Yeah, there he is. Played without gloves. Look at that. Where do you get these goofy cards? They, 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 they come to me. They come to me. All right, now we're back on track, all right? This guy, not a Hall of Famer yet, could be. Known as one of the fastest bats in the game, Gary Shetfield. There's go Gary Shetfield right there. Yeah, pretty good player. Oh, yeah, this guy uh, played for the Mets, and he might have been on the 1980 Olympic team to beat the Russians. Hubie Brooks. Wasn't he the coach of the, the 1980 Olympic team? That's Herb Brooks. Yeah. Oh, Herb Brooks. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they get mistaken for each other a lot in yeah, out there. It's a lie. You've never seen him in the same room. That's true. This guy underrated. I thought this guy was good. Houston Astro pitcher, Jim Duchesne's. Remember him? Ah, cup announcer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is he? I did not know that. He's our color commentator. Darn. All right. Oh, a good, a very good catcher. Had a nice career for. Here he is with Cincinnati Reds. Joe Oliver. Joe Oliver, right there. Very good. All right. This guy, uh, usually a fourth outfielder, but had a nice career. Here he is with the Phillies. When I think of him, that's who I think of, uh, Ricky Jordan. There he is. Nice picture cards, by the way, those 91 uh, Bowman. A guy who um, I think of in that Minnesota Twin team, but he played around the league too. He was a Cardinal at one time, Gary Gaetti. Oh, yeah. with, From with Centralia, Illinois. I did not and know A weird that. piece of Gary Gaetti trivia. Uh, so Royce Lewis homer today in his first two postseason at-bats. Gary Gaetti is one of the other two players to have done that. Wow. I would have never guessed here. That. Yeah, I like Gary Gaetti. Very good player. A, uh, a very good closer, Roberto Hernandez from the White Sox. Oh, yeah, Roberto. Yeah, there he is. Uh-oh. This guy is still getting paid to this day. One of the weirdest baseball contracts. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. Bo. Yeah, there he is. With the Pirates, he was a Cardinal for a little while. He's the guy that got hurt at the end of spring training, and Pujols made the team in 2001. I saw him at, saw him at the airport once. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Get his bags right there. All the Cardinals get their bags. <laughs> Number one pick one year. Uh, played at Indiana, I believe. Andy Bennis. There he is with the Padres. Uh, that's, who that's who drafted him number uh, first time. 
Uh-oh, this guy, I never heard of him. Uh, you guys might have to help me with this guy. He's in a Cub uniform, Mr. Greg Maddox. There he is. One of the all-time greatest players, man. Just don't stand next to him in the shower. <laughs> is there a story there? Oh, yeah, that he used to pee on players. He'd start talking to them in the shower, and then they notice, hey, this is feeling weird. He'd, yeah. That Smoker. joker. <laughs> Um, this guy, um, a jellyfish thing. <laughs> this guy uh, had a long career. He was with the Cardinals for a little bit. Joe Baver, there he is with the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Okay, see if you know this guy, uh, Cleveland Indian Tim Costo. I do not know him. No, no. I don't either. And the last one I have, Kansas City. I love the. Ro- I do love the Royals. Uh, Tom Flash Gordon. Ah, didn't his son play D Gordon? Yeah, oh, that was D Gordon. Okay, won a batting yep. title. Yep, and that's very good for... baseball family. Yes, now yes, you know what I did, JJ? What'd you do? I forgot to announce your video. That's okay, we can do it next week or we can do it to this week. It's up to you. I, I can put it at the end. Would that be okay? okay. Of course, right? Yeah. JJ went to Wayno Day, and that's what you're going to see right now. JJ at Wayno Day. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye.